This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Plenty of schedule news for you on this Friday program. The football schedule is half known as far as the times. We already knew the teams, obviously. A lot of 3.30 starts this year. Big time change up. Wow, what a beginning to the volleyball schedule. We will get more releases for the fall. Obviously, we already know football and soccer. Volleyball would be the only sport we don't know the full slate to, but we do know where the season is beginning, and it is quite something. We'll go around various sports and speak about what's happening when it comes to incoming and outgoing Bulls. Also, awful news to pass along to you regarding the death of a former football player, John Legist. Some other non-sports news on Thursday, but certainly affected the school and definitely wanted to mention it here as the Association of American Universities, that would be the AAU, has added six new institutions and the University of South Florida is one of them. It's been a long-time goal. In fact, 15 years ago, roughly, the leaders at the school, University President Judy Genshaft, primarily among them, issued this as a top goal for the program to be named among the top research institutes in the entire country. Kind of funny from an athletics perspective. Again, it'll help, I'm sure, draw certain student-athletes. But for whatever reason, there's a man that likes to update on Twitter. I guess he has a little bit of uh, artistry to him. And a cool graphic of all 71 schools, as noted by their school's mascots in most cases, some interesting former older mascots. And for Indiana, there's just a picture of Bobby Knight, but the Bulls are in the balcony, as it were, with two other American Athletic Conference institutions. That would be Tulane and one of the new ones. Rice, but this is not just Division One. This is everybody. You see RPI, you see MIT, you know, those sorts. Florida Gators were the only one from the state of Florida. Miami actually was one of the six that were asked to join and quickly accepted those invitations. Most of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, by the way, is kind of a neat graphic that I retweeted if you want to go to my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. Just one Big 12 institution now, that would be Kansas. The lonely Jayhawk is actually seated just to the right in this wonderful piece of art where the USF Bulls are represented by Rocky D. Bull. But back to the school, it means it's one of the top research institutions in the country. Again, the six on Thursday, USF, the University of Miami. You might have heard of this institution, Notre Dame, George Washington out of D.C., along with a couple out on the West Coast, Arizona State, and Cal Riverside joining UCLA, Cal Davis, Cal Berkeley, Cal Irvine, Cal San Diego, Cal Santa Barbara, and Cal Santa Cruz. Some of these have been in the AAU since the 1900s, and it's been tough to get in because there were only four schools added within the last decade, but six, including USF, become members of that invitation-only club, which grew to 71 total on Thursday. Said it was terrible news with John Lingis, the football player from the Bulls who was from down in that Palm Beach area, Delray Beach specifically. Played for USF from 2008 to 2012, redshirted that first season actually, but did not take long to make an impact in 2009 with a big hit that started off really the Bulls onto one of the big upsets in program history. Ponder will line up over center. Bulls have stuffed the run so far. They're going to have Presley, and he's going to fumble the football. It's loose on the ground inside the 25-yard line, and the Bulls may have it. 
The Bulls with a big hit from John Legist, and that ball was clearly on the ground, and Nate Allen has recovered it. We'll definitely be giving you replays of that Florida State victory along with the Notre Dame victory this weekend as Legist was a big part of both of those. He had a career-high 10 tackles in the win against Notre Dame. He died of an apparent drowning over this past weekend in Lake Worth, which again is down in the Palm Beach area in the intercoastal waterways there in Lake Worth Beach. He was living in Green Acres, which is essentially just inland from there. Reported missing by his family over the weekend. Missing persons unit sergeant that was familiar with the case heard about an unidentified body that had been discovered in Lake Worth, and they confirmed, unfortunately, the identity as 32-year-old John Legist, former beloved member of the University of South Florida football team. Football season is still a few months away, but we already know half of the game times as on Wednesday, the American Athletic Conference, and again, we'll end each half hour with about a 10-minute version of Around the American. We'll give you some of the other highlights, but released plenty of its dates for the first few weeks. Coincidentally, CBS Sports Network announced all of its kickoff times for its broadcast, and since the Bulls are on CBS Sports Network a couple of times, including the season opener, and the American wanted to give its weeknight kickoff times, we got half of the kicks, and first of all, welcome back to the 3.30 slot, that's one of the prime spots, of course, to me, sort of the noon slots get you going, 3.30 are the big games, and then some more primetime games at 7 o'clock, 3.30 and 7 are the seemingly top two times that you can have a game, well, the Bulls didn't have any 3.30 games last year, and they only had one in 2021 that was on the Black Friday against UCF. Not only is the obvious one, Alabama, a 3.30 kick, it's also on ABC, the third game of the season, Saturday, September the 16th at Raymond James Stadium. No doubt it will be sold out. Raymond James is one of four 3.30 kicks, including the opener at Western Kentucky. That's that CBS Sports Network time slot. And that happens to be the other two times the Bulls play at 3.30, all on the road, all on CBS Sports Network. Saturday, September the 30th, that's game number five at Navy. And then about a month later, October the 21st, the Bulls go back to East Hartford, Connecticut to take on UConn. The other two game times that we now know, home opener Saturday, September the 9th, is a 7 o'clock kick against Florida A&M. And as I mentioned, they wanted to go ahead and announce the weeknight kicks. The Bulls will be in the Alamo Dome. That's where UTSA plays its home games on Friday, November the 17th, so late in the season. And it'll be a late one at 9 o'clock. So we have four of the first five games known as far as when they're going to start, the exception being the matchup with fellow AAU institution Rice, since it's not a school night, it could be any time. Oh, speaking of schedules, volleyball, well, the whole one's not released, but the beginning, the opening weekend, is quite notable. Also very notable what the USF student-athletes have done in the classroom. We got various notes to pass along from sports like soccer and women's basketball, sailing, baseball. That's all coming up again. We're doing a 20-minute version or so of Bulls Beat, and then we'll end each half hour today with Around the American. The summer schedule, got to tell you, is going to be a little bit different. We do Bulls Beat once a day during the regular schedule, the busy time of things. But during the summer, the plan is to do a show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, along with some conference news. Now, there just may be some days where events do not warrant a show. Keep that in mind. That's not going to be how we plan it. 
I'll definitely have a show for you on Monday because today I'm going to speak to all the members of the track and field men's 4x100 relay squad as they are on Sunday heading out to Austin, Texas. So wanted to grab them before they head out to the national meet along with, of course, high jumper Romain Beckford who will be aiming for a national championship if possible. He's the indoor national champ. So on Monday's show, you're definitely going to hear some track and field. On this show, we got plenty. Stay tuned. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Before we get back to the scheduling news and some really cool stuff when it comes to the first two volleyball matches, not just opponent-wise, but location-wise, always love to read the work of the student-athletes in the classroom, make it the program record now 17 straight semesters with a department term, that'd be the spring term GPA of more than 3.0. Cumulative, it was 3.18. And the women were holding it down. The women's program set a 3.39 GPA. The men, a 3.03. Michael Kelly, a nice quote on GoUSFBulls.com, how proud he is of the student-athletes. Continuing their commitment to academics, which is strongly supported by the talented academic staff, and they definitely deserve some credit for that. The top men's program as far as GPA actually was the best of anybody. That would be Steve Bradley's golf squad, a 3-7-1 in the spring, and women's tennis, Christina Moros, a 3-6-9. Full details up at GoUSFBulls.com. The Tampa Bay Sports Commission, we knew this event was coming, and now it is officially announced as far as the dates, the times, the locations, and it's really, really cool. The Bulls are part of a major volleyball event To start off the season, of course, USF is the host institution of next year's Final Four when it comes to volleyball. So why not start it with four great teams? And the Bulls will be going up against Georgia Tech and Florida. The other team at this event is the longtime powerhouse Penn State. So if you want to see some good volleyball, plan around the last weekend in August. And the place where the Final Four will be held, Amelie Arena, is where the first two matches will be held. This will be Friday, August the 25th. And, of course, I'm going to try and work my way into being able to broadcast these live. Never done volleyball from Emily Arena. We started doing volleyball regularly on USF Bulls Unlimited after, of course, the season where they were supposed to play in 20. They moved into 21. So 2021, it's only been a couple years since we've actually done full coverage of the home matches and this will be an opportunity to take it on the road that I'm going to definitely try and work out. It's the Road to Tampa Bay Volleyball Invitational to the number two. You can get tickets now if you want. I retweeted the link to all of this at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. The first night again, the matches are at Amelie Arena. Six o'clock is when USF will play Georgia Tech. And then roughly 8 o'clock, it'll be Florida and Penn State, of course. That'll be depending on the length of the first match. Then the next night, same times, at the Yingling Center, where the Bulls played several matches last year after trying it with the Warren I-4 two seasons prior. And it was definitely a great location for volleyball. Georgia Tech and Penn State will be the first match on that Saturday, August 26. And then the Bulls will play Florida to wrap up the event. The Gators have won 25 SEC championships and have been to the Final Four eight times under 13-time SEC Coach of the Year, Mary Wise, last year. 
they reached the Elite Eight. Penn State, by the way, the team the Bulls will not play. The only program to make it to every NCAA volleyball tournament. There have been 42 of them. But man, the ties with the other opponent the Bulls will have. Again, they'll play the Gators at the Yingling Center, but they'll start off against Georgia Tech. They'll start off the event against Georgia Tech and its coach, Michelle Collier, who, oh yeah, was a former Bulls standout, a teammate of current Bulls coach Jolene Shepardson, and a USF Hall of Famer. Didn't realize that her career kills total is still fifth all-time in the NCAA. That'll definitely get you in a school's Hall of Fame. And your jersey hanging up in the Corral Raptors, which it is. Not just a good player, been a pretty good coach. Started off actually as an assistant after coaching at Tampa Bay Juniors at the club level. Came to USF, assistant coach for one season, then worked on up to South Carolina, became the head coach after just a few years of working as an assistant at the D1 level. Went to JU, first season below 500, second season 30-4 NCAA tournament. And the very next year, she was off to Georgia Tech, where she's been since 2014. Had a winning season of 24-8. and eight. Got them into the postseason for the first time since 2009 when they made the NIT equivalent. Then the next year, 2019, opening up against the Bulls, they went on to win that NIVC championship and then got back to the NCAA tournament again the first time Georgia Tech had been there in more than a decade back in 2020. And then 21, the Elite Eight. That is quite something last season they again Had a dynamite year. They had to go on the road, though, to Marquette, who beat them in the second round. Very interesting, as I was just perusing the Georgia Tech website, this name stood out as far as another story about a recent pickup. Picked up a member of last year's all-ACC freshman team. She was at North Carolina. Her name is Liv Mogridge. That's right. The daughter of Alan Mogridge, former Bulls offensive line coach, who now, if you didn't know, is at East Carolina. Liv, who goes six foot four and went to Steinbrenner, is now with Georgia Tech. So that'll be a nice little side note among many on that first volleyball weekend. So if you're unfamiliar with the volleyball schedule, the first four weekends, basically you get in three matches in tournaments, whether you're hosting or traveling. And now we know it's just two matches, but a very unique situation and two big time opponents for the Bulls to start things off. And when we find out, of course, the full schedule will let you know. Same thing when it comes to conference, the Bulls do lose the top team in the league, UCF, and Houston was right there with them in the NCAA tournament last year. Cincinnati had been an NCAA tournament program, so truly volleyball is one of those sports where the American does get weaker. Having said that, Rice was a top 20 team last year, but after the Owls, it drops off significantly as far as the handful of other incoming schools. And where that could get interesting is if the conference, and we don't know any of this, we'll definitely pass along when we find out, if it goes to divisional alignment, because with 14 teams, it's hard to believe that you would play everybody twice, which has been the way to do it over the past several years for the conference. But with 14 teams, I'm guessing you can't play everybody twice. So maybe the divisional alignment makes the most sense. And if that's the case, UCF is out. That's one of the teams that certainly would always be in the Bulls division. And if Rice is the strongest incomer, they would likely not be in the same division as the Bulls. So who knows? This could be a pretty big year for volleyball, but we're still obviously a few months away from that. A fun exercise is to hit up GoUSFBulls.com from time to time and scroll just through the rosters, especially of the fall sports, but also men's basketball. We know 
about a lot of the incomers, transfers from Kennesaw State and elsewhere that have been announced. And the roster has now been updated, not with photos of any of the newcomers, but it just sort of drives the point home that only three returners, although I'm fans of all of them, Selton Miguel, Sam Hines Jr., and Corey Walker Jr., but now they have been supplemented by eight more new Bulls, three from Kennesaw State. Again, you can hit up GoUSFBulls.com for that. We just talked about volleyball, if you'll notice, that there is no more Michaela Franklin. The assistant coach actually has joined the new UCF staff. Soccer confirms that Kiara Hahn, who was their leading scorer last year, is not with the team anymore as she has taken a professional playing opportunity. Someone I was a fan of and had a pretty promising freshman year, Daniela Chung, is not on the roster, though a lot of the standouts on last year's team do return. There are some transfers that are listed on there already alongside of some incoming freshmen. Interesting transfer from Jacksonville originally and was a regular starter at Villanova. Izzy Newton is on the roster. So yeah, check that out whenever you get a chance at GoUSFBulls.com. The women's basketball roster, not updated yet with the new half dozen players. We told you about all of them. All of them most recently from overseas and or from a Division One program. Got a little insight on a couple, don't want to put their names out there yet, that seem to have, they're going to be a starter written all over them. And there are going to be four Spaniards on the team. We will talk to Jose Fernandez about the incoming Bulls and get a spring American Athletic Conference meetings wrap up. Where do you guys think that this week's, and this is why we can't talk to Jose this week, because he's taking part in an important set of spring meetings for the conference in women's basketball. Where do you think those meetings are? Vail, Colorado. Yeah, we'll talk to Jose next week. And Priscilla Williams, who we told you already had transferred out, has officially announced she is going to the University of Oregon. Coming up here shortly, we go around the American. We'll let you know what's happening with East Carolina and Tulane as far as their draw. Actually, one of the teams, the only team that the Bulls won a series from non-conference is in one of the regionals, same one as East Carolina. That would be an Army team. Remember, the Bulls had the amazing comeback against. And it didn't take long for the first two Bulls home opponents, Maryland and Northeastern, to be announced in the bracket as they are both headed to the number one seed, Winston-Salem. Of course, that'd be Wake Forest. Not a whole ton of opponents for the Bulls. Non-conference made the NCAA tournament, but two of them happen to be playing each other today as that whole incredible event begins. Side note, if you would have assumed that we'd be going to Gainesville if the Bulls had pulled it off last weekend in Clearwater, probably would have been an incorrect assumption because Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman played each other in the SWAC championship, and since both of those schools are a little bit closer to Gainesville, the winner was going to be headed there. The Bulls likely would have been headed to Miami, which is the number nine seed, and hosting that team that Canes will be playing instead is Maine. We'll be keeping an eye on the college baseball tournament. Some of the Bulls' opponents have All-Americans, Maryland, which there's the small caveat that their home stadium is kind of a bandbox, but the Bulls did go up, whether you knew it or not, early in the season against a couple of first-team All-Americans. Matt Shaw from Maryland hit 343 with 23 homers and 67 RBI. He only had one hit in the first two games against the Bulls, but then went 5 for 5. Their third baseman, Nick LaRusso, was a second-team All-American, despite having 99 RBI. We'll actually tell you why 
on Around the American. And the Bulls actually went up against the first and the second team first baseman in the country, Jack Caglione from the Gators, who homered 28 times, including both games against USF. Believe it or not, was the second team All-American first baseman. This is the collegiate baseball D1 All-American team. Who was the first team or the guy that led the country in batting average? None other than Nolan Shawnell from Florida Atlantic, who went 0 for 4 in the first game against the Bulls, but yeah, 5 for 10 in the next two and hit 447. So some ties to the Bulls there. Also, Bo Durkak reportedly is out along with Karsten Whitson, the top two assistants for the Bulls. We assume that means that the head coach, Billy Mole, is going to retain his position, but when we hear it official, either way, we'll pass it along to you here. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat on a Friday. Horns up.